A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. When we sleep, our body actually is healing up. That's also why when we are sick, we tend to sleep more. But do you know that the healing process also has something to do with our body type? Our guest today, Marla Barr, will explain more about this to us. So Marla is the host of the podcast, Your Wellness Journey, and she will lead us to a journey of self-care. Let's find out more. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. I'm your host, Yishan. Hi, Marla. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hello. Welcome. Oh, gosh, it's so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Great. So I know you mentioned you are a food scientist and a digestion specialist. Can you uh, help our audience to know more about your background? I find that title is very, very fascinating. Uh, yeah, I started off, gosh, about 25 years ago now going down the route of medicine. I just wanted to help people heal. And after a few years in it, I realized that mostly I was just putting band-aids on people. I wasn't actually doing anything regarding their health and healing. So I switched over to food science, which was absolutely fascinating. Loved every single second of it. And I ended up specializing in absorption, our digestive system, and not only what you eat, but how you digest it based upon our body types, the three body types, and then how after that we then absorb it and how that impacts you. So after that, I started studying basically anything I could to help understand any type of healing modality for you. So it started with Reiki and reflexology, Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, any energy work that came up. If I could get a certificate in it, I just kind of took it. So that was I spent about eight years doing that. And after that, I was a little tiny bit burnt out and I thought, gosh, I'm never going to know enough to help anyone. And I took a job in wildlife conservation and I spent over 12 years there where I got to study how do animals sleep? How do they eat? What do they do when they're upset? What do they do? How do they eat when they are not in a healthy place? And after that, uh, it, it was great. I learned how to be human from these animals and how to take care of myself better and everyone around me just by working with these, you know, pandas and cheetahs and elephants for so many years. And then after that, I decided I needed to go back to school. So I went to Stanford School of Medicine and did a fellowship there in healthy aging and started to work in the neuroscience department at UC San Diego, where we mostly studied wisdom. Where is wisdom in our mind? How are we interpreting things? And then I got a job working with um, Deepak Chopra's team down in Southern California. And then we moved back here and I've been working in health and wellness with my own company ever since and helping people understand every little facet of how to take care of themselves. 
specifically through energy work and all of the chakras. Um, but we talk a lot about digestion. Wow. So that, that's a wonderful topic. I remember as a child, I actually had digestion issues. I think I can eat a lot, but my body somehow cannot really digest them well. And I think a lot of things are not absorbed into my body well. Uh, so I remember I had to eat some pills to help me digest. So I'm wondering through all these years of experience and research, what have you found out the, the link between digestion and sleep? Uh, well, there is a there is a big connection. And at first it starts with you understanding what is your body type. So I'm guessing you probably, I probably know which one of the three you already have. So in Ayurveda, we have three different body types. One is called the Vada, which is what I'm guessing you are, where things go through your system pretty darn quickly, which means, you know, you go to a doctor's office and they tell you, you should be having one solid bowel movement every single day. Well, in a beautiful Vada body type, it can be three, four, five times a day. And that is their normal. Things move through their system really fast. The next one's called a pitta body type. And our power, if you're a pitta body type, comes from your stomach, comes from your digestion. And you're pretty efficient at processing your food. You might have one bowel movement every single day. And chances are it's at the exact same time. It's not, if you go to the washroom, have your bowel movement at 9.03 in the morning. It doesn't happen at 8.55. It doesn't happen at 9.10. It is right on the button, right at that time every Every single day. It's like your body, your digestive system is clockwork. And then the last one is a kapha body type. Things go through them really, really slowly. I had one patient that he went, he had a bowel movement once every seven days. Things get stuck. And this is about getting them up, getting them moving, really focusing on what they're eating. But understanding that those are three totally different body types. I can never be one that I'm not. You can never be one that you aren't. But embracing the one that we actually are and understanding it, understanding those gifts when it comes to that specific one. So when you're looking at that and probably, so say if you, me, I'm a pitta body type and a kapha body type, we're all sitting here and we all had an apple in front of us, exact same apple, all organic, exact same weight. And we all started to eat that apple. Well, what I'm absorbing from that and what you're absorbing and the other person is absorbing is entirely different. We can't look at a carton of milk or a, or a box of pasta and think that I will absorb the same nutrients that you did. So first, just understanding which of the three body types that you are. Now we have to get you ready for bed. We want to make sure that you are sleeping as soundly as possible. We know that we do the bulk of our healing, our muscles work on each other, our bones work, everything is really working while we are sleeping. So what we want to do is make sure that our wonderful system has been put to sleep. We don't want our body working on things that it doesn't need to while it's asleep. So what I say is two hours before you go to sleep, whatever time that is, if you're a night owl and you don't go to bed until midnight, or if you go to sleep at nine o'clock in the evening, whatever that time is, Back that up two hours because your body, doesn't matter if you're just eating a couple of raisins or a little bit of popcorn, 
once you turn your digestive system on, it needs a good two full hours to turn itself off and start getting the rest it needs for the evening. So it doesn't matter which of those three body types, understanding, even though we might want to sit and have popcorn while we're watching a movie, just understand, okay, well, that night, just make sure that you know that can you sleep in a little bit tomorrow morning? Or is there something else that you can do there? Actually, this totally makes sense. I actually did not know about the three body types before. I think weekly I hear someone talk about that. And uh, I can definitely think myself as one of those body types. I'm wondering as we change our lifestyles, the way we eat, the way we live, the way we sleep, will we be able to shift between the body types or we're gonna just have one body type forever? It's basically the day you were born, you were given the keys to one of three vehicles. That's what I think of it. During this lifetime, we have one of three body types. And that's one that we have. Yours, the Vata body types. I like to think of it as this hot air balloon, this very light and ethereal and going up into the sky where this wonderful pit of body type, which I am, is kind of like this freight train. It's this one track and they are going strong. Anything on that path, they kind of get a little upset about that. There are the individuals are pit of body types are the ones who they have never missed a meal in the history of their lives. I think they're the ones that coined the term hangry, where lunch is not late, dinner is not late. They can't understand eating a minute later than they're supposed to. That's their, that's their gift. That's all right. And the cough of body types, that's like kind of a really old, very, very reliable car. You know, it will always work needs a little more time to wake up in the morning and get that mortar purring, but it is just absolutely reliable. So knowing which one of those three, so just think the day you were born, you got the keys to one of those three vehicles, and that's going to be your vehicle to get you through your entire life. We never get to switch vehicles. I see. So we sounds like it's helpful for us to understand our own vehicles, our own body, and then work with it to optimize it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's what often happens is we start taking advice from people that are in an entirely different vehicle. And we look at, hey, that's what worked for her or that's what worked for him. Maybe that's what's gonna work for me. And it tends to be, wait, that's the user's manual for that type of body, not necessarily yours. So people start to get frustrated and wait a minute, I follow that person's plan to a T and it didn't quite work for me. And it's because, well, you were pulling out the user manual for the hot air balloon and you're trying to drive an Osmobile or something like that. Wow. So in your clinical experience, would you find out people with different uh, body types actually would take different suggestions when they try to eat right, when they try to sleep okay? Yeah, definitely. First, it's just for them to understand that they are very different. And whichever body type, there is not a better body type. One body type is not better than another. There's not one that's on the least side. They're all absolutely perfect. And understanding the gifts for each one is really, really important. And sometimes they can be open to different suggestions. 
with Vata mind types and Vata body types, we talk a lot more about emotional things that are going on, things in their mind and what we can do to calm them during that time. I always say the time that you're eating is really, really sacred. So especially for Vata body types, when we want to slow things down, we want to slow down their digestive tract. We want to make sure that where they eat there is no cell phone in that room. They aren't on their computer. Just think about wherever you are, 10 feet in every direction. It should just be this sanctuary basically around you that's supporting being calm and not eating when we're really, really upset. Because as soon as we do that, that'll go right through you. Now I'm like doing some reflections. Feels like I've been watching YouTube videos or something on the computer while eating. I've been doing that quite a lot recent years. Yeah, and especially this past year since we've been in quarantine, maybe we're watching the evening news and you know, not so great things are on the news right now. Anytime you something upsets you while you are eating, it impacts how you are gonna digest that meal. Wow, our mood, how the external stimuli trigger us and our body sounds like really react to that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big kind of game changer because I know when I graduated from university the first time, we were handed one kind of sheet of this is what you need to tell everyone. This is what everyone needs to eat. And I just saw really quickly in my own practice that everyone is not the same. There needs to be like three different rule books for each of those body types. So we understand how we can best nurture and heal each of them individually. I see. So is there anything in common you notice no matter what kind of body type, there are certain things people are supposed to do or would be helpful for everyone to do in terms of digestion? Well, when it comes to digestion, probably the number one thing I would suggest other than making sure we're all getting enough water every single day. But the one big thing, and Canada actually did this about two years ago, is remove dairy from your diet if possible. So two years ago, the Canadian government removed dairy for children, for adults, it doesn't matter who you are. The suggested daily intake of cow dairy or goat dairy, any type of animal-based dairy is zero servings each day. And that was a really big push during that time that stuck. And understanding what dairy does to your system in vadas, it really makes things go faster. And ensures that the nutrients that we are eating are not getting absorbed as much. Where in kapha body types, they could really start to slow things down and get into trouble. And this is where we see a lot of colon cancers pop up as well. So say things in your system, going through your digestive system really slow. It's kind of like say your friend says, hey, can I come and stay at your place this weekend? We're in town and you're like, sure, come and stay two days. 
But then after a week, they're still there. And after two weeks, they're still there. And what was okay for a couple days is not okay for a week or more. And that's what's happening to the food we eat. It's really healthy. We go through huge extents to make sure what we're eating is fresh and organic and really good for us and prepared in a right way. Where if it doesn't matter how good that food is, if it stays too long in your system, it's like that best friend that just kind of camped out on your couch for couple days too many. Wow, I love your analogy. Totally makes sense. Uh, and now I'm thinking every morning I would have a coffee and I would put milk in it. Uh, I know a lot of people eat cheese. So, uh, so we're not supposed to do something like that, like on a daily basis. Uh, dairy is actually, if we look back, dairy is only something that some humans, some countries have been consuming for just a few thousand years. And if you look at especially the work that I did with animals, we are the only mammal that consumes dairy past lactation. That's past the time when our mom would have been breastfeeding us. Every other mammal on planet Earth, that's as long as we're supposed to consume milk. And then that capability always goes away in us. It's supposed to. It takes the place of other pathways that are supposed to start happening. So it was only been a few thousand years ago, starting in Europe, when someone made an accident and we started to consume dairy slowly and it slowly moved to different countries. Not all countries obviously consume dairy at this point. But what happens through your system, and some people feel it a little bit more than others, is your body, as soon as we consume cow milk or goat milk, starts protecting it. And what it does to protect it is it starts forming mucus. And you might feel it after some ice cream or some heavy, heavy cheese. You might feel your throat feel a little bit like mm, rough, like maybe you do have a little bit of extra phlegm in there. And what your body is doing is naturally coating your entire digestive system saying, wait a minute, there's something foreign here. It's not supposed to be here. We're not supposed to be consuming dairy from any other species other than our own, I need to protect this. I have to make sure that this doesn't come into our system. So what happens is this starting in our sinuses produces this mucus and it starts coating our throat and coating our digestive system all the way down. And what happens, it prevents us from bringing in and absorbing other nutrients as well. So as soon as we can figure out, and thankfully today, I started getting rid of dairy back when I was in food science. So that was over 25 years ago. And at that time, having a dairy-free cheese, boy, that was awful. Or dairy-free ice cream, that was terrible. But thankfully today, like the alternatives are so great. My kids, when they have coconut cream-based ice cream, they have no clue that they're missing anything. You could buy dairy-free cream cheese and there's a whole host of milks out there there's no reason really from a taste perspective not to at least try that but that's why after a night especially if you're having pizza cheesecake and ice cream all these heavy things our digestion is really really impacted that's so interesting yeah like i grew up in china we actually never eat cheese why when I grew up, we did not even drink milk that much. So for me, I feel like I did not have that many dairy food for many, many years. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the big things that once people cut out of their diet, they can't believe. They can't believe how much better they feel. They think, oh, dairy doesn't really impact me. 
all that much. And then as soon as they've been one week, two weeks without it, they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better from a digestive standpoint. My thoughts are clear. I'm not having to deal with that little tickle at the back of my throat. Things aren't going through me. I'm actually feeling full and satiated because it's like you're eating food, but it's going right through you. So of course you're hungry an hour and a half later. Your body said, hey, I need nutrients and you didn't provide any. It just came right through. It's like a, it's like a bus that goes right through. You're stopped at the station. You're like, hey, here I am. I'm at the bus stop. Pick me up. And the bus goes right through. That's what happens when we're consuming dairy with our food. So I heard people, like I treat insomnia mostly. Sometimes people would talk about in the middle of the night, they either feel hungry or they feel some stomach pain or they just don't feel very comfortable that which interrupts their sleep. So I'm wondering for those cases, would some of that relate to the digestive problem? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times our belly just wants to go to sleep or it works all day long for us, processing, processing. It needs a break as well. You know, keeping it working all into the night, especially, you know, that can be really, really hard when your system just needs a bit of TLC, needs to rest. And waking up in the middle of the night hungry, that's a really interesting thing for people. Normally, if you they have a good sleep, if they have a really sound sleep, they're not going to wake up and the first thing they think is hungry. So right then I would start to think, is there anything that they are nutrient deficient for? So it's kind of like, say we go through our healing state. That's when we enter our healing state about two hours after we head to bed every single night. And say your body is healing. It's healing away on that little muscle tear that you got from going on that big run the day before. It's working on, you know, getting rid of a blemish and working on scar tissue and doing all these things, a million things in your body. And it says in the middle of the night, wait a minute here. We do not have enough magnesium. We need to do this process, but we do not have enough magnesium. And this is an issue. We haven't had it in a long time because things are just going through me so incredibly quickly. Where maybe if you do wake up in the middle of the night because you have to go to the washroom, you might get that, wow, because your body's not actually hungry for food, it's hungry for nutrients, but we cannot decipher, wait a minute, do I need some magnesium right now? Your belly doesn't ever tell you that, it just says hungry, feed me. I like that. So not just think about I'm hungry, really reflect back and think about, well, how my eating routine, what I'm eating, what I'm getting to my system, whether there's anything I need, uh, like nutrition balance, whether I really pay attention to that. Yeah, that's a, I always suggest if you're starting off and you're really wanting to work on something, look at a wonderful vitamin, but that is in a liquid form. You know, you think about the pills that we eat, you know, and any herb that we take for whatever purpose, it could be vitamins, it could be medicine, but that's pretty darn hard, especially with a digestive system like yours, where things go through so quickly. Often we'll take a lot of these vitamins and what happens? We poop them right out an hour or two later. So by having our vitamins, taking our vitamins in a liquid format, it ensures that they are absorbed almost immediately as soon as they make it through our stomach. Yeah. So for vitamin, I hear other people told me that a lot of the vitamin gums or um, the pills, they have so many mixed 
stuff in it. So how, like we eat one pill, vitamin pill, but how many vitamin we actually get in absorbed by our body it's possibly not that much. It's mixed with a lot of other things. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So especially when you think of, say, a blueberry, it's very dense and a whole bunch of different nutrients. But a lot of those nutrients work together hand in hand and must all be present at the exact same time in order to be absorbed. You can't isolate. And this is the crazy thing we did in the 1960s in the U.S. and through Europe is we started isolating. We said, oh, Blueberries are good. Let's find out what the one nutrient in blueberries are that we want. Let's extract that one thing out, put it into a pill, and we all sell it. And what happens is we find that one thing that we extracted, it needed all its buddies. It needed to be there with everyone else that it was naturally in. So if you do decide to take a daily vitamin supplement, which is always a good idea, if you can have it whole plant based, which basically means this company just took whole blueberries and dehydrated them. So everything that was naturally present in that blueberry is there. And you'll often find I have one that I it's in a powder form that I just add it to my morning smoothie. They put kale and spinach and a whole bunch of things, but there's just a whole bunch of organic ingredients that were dehydrated down. So everything that worked together in nature is working together in that pill or the, in that powder form. Oh, I like that. Wow, that's a very good direction for me to think about and to try. So, so, so the liquid format of vitamin you just talked about, is that one of those plant-based? Yeah, absolutely. And it all depends where on planet Earth you are. You just go into your local health food store and start asking them what plant-based um, liquid vitamins they have. And normally they're things that you either take a teaspoon of a day or the one that I can get easily here. It isn't a powder form. It's a dehydrated powder form, but I specifically add it to my morning smoothie. So it is going in in a liquid form. Morning smoothie with plant-based vitamin powder. Wow. Yeah. And another thing to remember is of all these vitamins that come, all these nutrients that come into your system, half of them are water-based and half of them are oil or fat-based, meaning they need a best friend in order to come into your system. They either need a fat or they need a water. So say if we're sitting here and we're just eating an apple, we're just eating an apple. There's no peanut butter on it. We're not putting anything else on it. Understanding that with that, we are only absorbing the water-based nutrients that are there. The ones that require fat to be fully absorbed, we don't have that with it. So when you're sitting down to have a meal, think, oh, I'm just snacking on some carrots. Okay, can we dip those carrots in hummus? Great. Well, that will ensure that you have a greater propensity to absorb as many nutrients as possible. Very important, especially for Vata body types. Oh, so that's the absorption part of it when you think about what can really help that. Yep, yep. So it's just kind of a very interesting dynamic that knowing that we need water with each meal, which a lot of vegetables are water-based. So there tends to be enough water in them already, but knowing that we need fat, need healthy fats at each meal as well. So I also have some children, sometimes they cannot tell whether they are full or hungry. They tend to eat a lot, but still feel, feel a false sense of hungry. 
is that very common among adults or children? Yes. Well, if you look at all, most of the food, especially the food that we feed children, it's more like filler than it is food. You think macaroni and cheese, all the things that kids classically like and classically go towards. It's been processed so much. It is considered filler. It is not considered food. So you eat it and then, yeah, an hour later, the kids aren't going to be hungry because their body actually hasn't got any nutrients out of what they were just consuming. Yeah. So again, that's a nutrient problem and uh, possibly there's some absorption problem there too. Yeah. And if you look at the blood chemistry for a lot of these individuals, you might even find that they are on the heavier side, but their body is actually in starvation mode. Their body is saying, listen, we have to decrease our metabolism. We have to start shutting things down. So we might feel a little more tired, a little more lazy. And it is because our body's saying, look, you're eating all day, but you're not eating food. We're eating filler. Craft dinner, you know, macaroni and cheese is never going to be food. It is filler. Do we have it once in a while? The kids like it. Sure they do. But as long as we understand that that's filler, that's not food. Wow. Filler and food. We need to really distinguish them. Yeah, so overall, you know, now we understand a little more about our digestion, absorption, our body types, then I'm wondering what we can do using this knowledge to help improve our sleep. Well, the first thing is to know, it doesn't matter which of the body types you are, we normally need to start thinking two hours before we head to bed. And that's when we're starting to turn things off. We're getting ready for sleep. And what I say, it doesn't matter what body type you are, go to your bedroom, stand in the doorway of your bedroom. And let's not think of it as a bedroom. Let's think of this room as your sanctuary. This is where you rest and this is where you heal. And really walk through your bedroom, every foot of your bedroom, and see what, how does this feel? Does this feel like it's cultivating peace, relaxing? Hold everything. If you're at your dresser, pick up everything, smell everything, touch everything, and just ask yourself, does this make this room feel like a sanctuary? And if it doesn't, well, that's okay. Let's just move it to a different room, but it doesn't belong in your bedroom. The second thing that I'd say, once you've gone through your room, and often it's just decluttering. You don't have to go out and buy a whole bunch of things. You just have to get rid of the things that don't make you feel like this is a place for me to heal. This is not a sanctuary for me. And sometimes it's just moving your bed, and sometimes it's removing a few things. But the second thing I say is it comes to electromagnetic waves. As we know now, it's well scientifically documented how electromagnetic waves impact us while we sleep. So I think where you're laying, where your head is, measure 10 feet in any direction. And is there anything plugged in 10 feet around your head? And if there is, if there's your cell phone on your nightstand, okay, can we pick that up and put it in the bathroom? Or at least put it at the farthest end of your bedroom. And we go through, like the kids, they have absolutely nothing plugged into the wall in their rooms. We have a room rule that we don't put any technology in our rooms because I want it to feel like a sanctuary. I want them to get a very deep, long, healing sleep. 
So the only between my, the, my two kids and my husband and I, we have one thing plugged in and we just have this tiny electric uh, clock, but it's at the furthest, furthest end of our bedroom. It's probably 15 feet away from our head. And that is it. We make sure there's no phone in our room, no iPad, no laptop, nothing else to make sure that we can go into a deep sleep. So that doesn't matter what body type you are. And that's hard. Some people have grown accustomed to having their iPhone right on the nightstand. So it starts with, yeah, and that, that's okay. Wherever you are, that's fine. But maybe saying, you want to know what? One day this week, I'm going to see if I can just put it outside my room or at the furthest end of my room or just leave it in the kitchen for the night and let's see did anything did the world come to an end how did I do did I sleep better tonight did I sleep better and then afterwards you're like wait a minute I did actually have a noticeable difference maybe I can try that two nights a week does it mean you're doing it every night of the week no but we can never fully fully close down especially if cell phones are next to us because even if we turn it into silence mode something happens and it beeps or it does something in the middle of the night and you're like oh is that that email from that person i've been waiting for and it prevents you from getting into a very deep sleep but slowly conditioning ourselves so we can let go of that and just it is so important for you to heal and take care of yourself and we don't do that when we're awake. We do it when we're asleep. So what can we do to get ourselves ready for that time? Wonderful. Yeah, I really love that. Mm. So you also mentioned, so, so sounds like it's really doing a lot of unplug time, help protect our sleep environment and learn how to stay calm, relaxed and comfortable before bedtime. Yeah. And just learning that when we do do things that are a little more upsetting, maybe it's watching the news right before we go to bed, whatever we do an hour before or two hours before we go to bed, we are bringing that into our sleep. So just being very conscious of what do you, you know, and sometimes you have to watch the evening news because something important is happening. But we don't normally have to do that every single night. So we just start off by one night. And maybe then it, you add it to two. And then maybe you get up to the point where it's like, you want to know what? Every weekday, I don't, I unplug an hour. Maybe it's only 10 minutes before you go to sleep. And then you work to get it to 15 minutes. You don't have to jump in and do the whole thing at once. Yeah, I like it. So another question I often get from people, I want to get what you think is, if people want to eat a little bit of snack several hours before bedtime or closer to bedtime, um, is there any suggestions, like anything they should avoid eating or something they could consider putting in their system right before sleep? Well, I always say that as long as it's easily digestible and it's not so much what they eat, but how they eat it. So I have this little test that I do with people and it's this apple test. And I say, okay, here, we cut up an apple. You cut up your apple. I cut up mine. Let's eat it together. You eat yours. I'll eat mine. Let's chew. And what happens is we do this. We chew, 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 swallow. And what happens is, well, our teeth didn't actually do what they were supposed to do. Our there's nothing in your digestive system that is as hard or as strong as our teeth. And once you swallow, it, there's no coming back. We aren't like cows where we regurgitate and we can you know, chew on that cud again. 
whatever we're eating, we want to make sure it's fully digested. So whatever it is, I think, so take that apple, pretend you have an apple slice in your hand, we're starting to eat it together. And how many times do you have to chew that before it turns into something more along the texture of applesauce? Once you know you get to that texture, it means your teeth are done. It means we can swallow. Where if you just do that for one meal, you'll feel, oh my gosh, my jaws, or I can't believe I have to chew that much for certain things. But this is how we're supposed to. So if you really want to have a snack right before bedtime, you know, and the kids often do, we have like a coconut cream based vanilla ice cream they have once in a while while they're watching a movie. Well, you think ice cream, there's nothing you have to chew. It is just fully digested. As long as there's no dairy in there, that's fine. Just thinking about what are we chewing? Often we have like chips and a dip, making sure we're really, really chewing those chips before we actually swallow them. And I think also alcohol. Alcohol takes a long time for our kidneys to break down. I say, if you wanna have a glass of wine or whatever drink, have it with your dinner because if we have it especially late into the evening we're going out with friends and we're having you know a glass of wine at 11 o'clock at night understanding that your kidneys aren't able to get to sleep to stop working for quite a few hours so it might be you know four in the morning before your kidneys can really power down and then you wake up a couple more minutes or a couple hours later and now we're having a cup of coffee so they're back working again wow so we need to understand and sometimes we ignore what food or drinks we put into our system are doing to our bodies throughout the night. When our body, when certain organs supposed to rest um, by eating or drinking certain things before bedtime, we may interrupt that process and then just keep them working too hard. Yeah, it's kind of like you put in a full day. Say, say you're at work, your boss, you're about, you've packed up, you've turned off your computer, you're going home for the day. And then your boss walks in and puts this big folder in front of you and saying, here's another project. Well, for us, we could say, okay, I'll get to it first thing in the morning. Your kidneys can't say, your liver can't say, your digestive system can't say, oh, I'll just save that till tomorrow morning. I'm just going to let this sit in our stomach doing nothing for the next 10 hours. It has to get back to work. So imagine every single time your system wants to shut down for the evening, you've packed up your jackets on, you're ready to head out for the evening. And your boss says, here's a big project. And for the next two hours, you're working on that. So that if we start thinking about our system in a bit of a different light, it makes us think, oh, okay, now I understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Okay, that's wonderful. Hmm. I think that's a very important message for our audience to hear and to understand, to be more mindful, to be more cautious um, about what we put into our system at night and throughout the day. Yeah, it's just once you understand your digestive system and how powerful it is for you and what happens, you know, we spend a lot of time analyzing what do we put in our mouth where no one's going and analyzing their poop every single day. But if you understand how all the food comes into your system and how it goes out of your system, you can understand what stayed with you. What are the building blocks that are going to help you heal? And to just be very honest with you saying, you want to know what? I did poop four times today. Okay, well, that's one more than normal. I'm just going to sit back here and really think about 
what did I eat today? And how can I best help my digestive system? Because your digestive system, all it wants to do is help you from the minute it wakes up till the minute you go to sleep. So think, okay, it's just working for me 24 seven here. What can I do to help it? So this is why I really like podcasting because I can always learn something new from each of our guests. If you like our conversation today, you can find more about Marla on her website, marlabar.com. You can also find more information about her on our show note at deepintosleep.co. So next week, we will continue the conversation and Marla will guide us through a sleep yoga meditation. Try it before you go to bed and see whether that can help you sleep better. Here I want to add announcement. This year, I've been learning different things. I tend to see myself as a sponge. I love learning new knowledge, just like a sponge absorbing water. So I'm learning sex therapy starting this year, and I am trying to do a podcast in Chinese to share the new knowledge to the Chinese population. In order to keep on producing high quality content and manage different podcasts of mine, I decide to reduce Deep Into Sleep podcast to every other week. That way I can learn while producing the same time. I will start making this change after next episode. Thank you for all your support and love along the way. I really, really appreciate that. And hopefully, even though I'm going to reduce the frequency, the content still going to be very good for you. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to leave me a comment or email me directly. I would always love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Ishan. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.